This episode of Behind the Bliss is made possible by our generous donors. If you love our show and would love to join our patrons, head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and click Give. Or head to www.patreon.com forward slash Behind the Bliss. Thanks! Welcome to the Behind the Bliss Podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Autry, and my co-host Mary Scott and I are interviewing Dylan Murphy. Dylan is a registered dietitian who's on a mission to free her clients from the curse of diet culture. So today we're diving into diet culture and what diet culture is and how we can work our way around it. Dylan is all about a non-diet approach to a healthy lifestyle, and she has some great tips and tricks that she's gonna share with us today, especially with all of the holidays coming up. So if you feel lost in this ever-changing world of food trends, yes, looking at you quinoa and keto diet, and if the thought of giving up your daily latte makes your palms sweaty, this episode is for you. Dylan knows it can be misleading to determine what a healthy lifestyle entails, so if you feel this pain, she's your girl and you should keep on listening. We're so excited to share with you everything she has to share, all of her wisdom and her experience with this. So without further ado, here is Dylan Murphy. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Rach. Hey. We, um, just for y'all listening so you know, this is going to be more chill, fun, relaxed, like grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and just hang out with us because we are friends from college. Yes, we so are. I'm pumped about this. Yes. yes. Um, so Dylan is a registered dietitian and knows all the things about a lot of things, um, <laughs> specifically, uh, specifically diet culture and Scotty and I just felt like with holidays coming up and with all of the fiasco and body image issues that could arise with all this excitement and celebration, um, we just should just talk about it. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, Scotty? Totally. And Dylan, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit, Dylan, and then we'll just jump right in. Sure. Um, so I am originally from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Went to Clemson with Scotty and Rachel, mm-hmm. which I feel like even – I feel like we didn't even become great friends till like after college, honestly. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the way it goes. Yes. Um, Rachel designed my website, so <laughs> shout out. Um, but Shameless yes. plug. <laughs> yes, seriously. Um, but yeah, so I went to Clemson, um, studied nutrition, and then I graduated in 2014. Kind of always knew I wanted to end up being a registered dietitian pretty much since like high school. So graduated from Clemson, went on to Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee to pursue my nutrition residency to be able to sit for the exam to become a dietitian. So finished that up, I guess that was 2015. So I've been a dietitian for about three and a half years now. And when I started out, I was working in more of a clinical setting, working with the geriatric population. So with all the grannies, as I like to call them, (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I've always had a heart for private practice, um, mainly because I just love the intentionality of it and being able to really sit down and dive deeper than food and really get to know people and their struggles and just journey with them instead of what the clinical setting offered. So I guess it was this time last year, 
I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and start a business. Um, emailed Rachel and was like, I need help designing a website. Please help me. <laughs> um, so got my website done and launched my business. And now I have my practice, Dylan Murphy Nutrition. I specialize in eating disorders, body image, and just helping any person better their relationship with food, whether that's through simple things like meal planning or helping them um, defeat the enemies of eating disorders and mm. those sort of toxic relationships. I'm so glad you said to better your relationship with food because I think really most people think that they're going to go to a dietitian and the goal is to lose weight to look better. Um, but mm -hmm. really I feel like your approach and hopefully some more approaches of other dietitians should be almost like a counselor in the sense that like we're not going to really talk about what you eat. And yes, that is important, but why um, why do you eat and handle food the way that you do? And like what's going on um, beneath the surface that caused you to have that relationship or what happened in the past that made you run to food or to um, abuse food or to not eat food? And I know that this is something that literally I have like wrestled with since I was like, I mean, earliest as I can remember, y'all, this is so sad, but I feel like my earliest memory of dealing with body image issues was like at like three or four, which is so sad. Um, but like, I remember distinctly like looking at myself in the mirror at like below five years old and thinking that something wasn't right. Yeah. And I just think that, I think that, you know, the Satan is after us even from such an early age to allow us to start agreeing with lies. And I think this is one that I agreed with um, kind of my whole life. And so I have swung the pendulum from diet to diet to diet to diet to diet <laughs> my whole life. And I think what you're saying is like your your hope and heart is to free people from that, Absolutely. you know? Because um, I think that's what diet culture wants people to do just that jump from diet to diet to diet because then they continue to keep you within their chains and bondage and keep making money off of you. Mm -hmm. But if you switch that mindset and really get to the root, like you said, with counseling of like, okay, let's dive deeper than just food. With most of my clients, we don't even start talking about like actual food as far as like what you should be eating a day kind of thing until like session like two or three because we're usually first just diving into like, okay, what started these behaviors? Let's talk mm -hmm. about your history with anxiety or depression or your family issues or fill in the blank. Because um, most people don't just choose to eat, say, like unhealthy foods just because they want to. A lot of times it's rooted in feelings of depression or not being good enough or it's an escape yes yeah. or restricting food because it's the only thing they can control in their life there's so much mm -hmm. more to it but it's hard to find a lot of people out there that want to talk about it or want to dive deeper um thankfully they've been a there's been a pretty big rise in healthcare, especially with like dietitians and therapists in particular um around intuitive eating and really the non-diet, anti-diet approach instead of all the fad diets and eat this and don't eat this sort of thing. Like, did you have an experience with this that made you want to help women be released from bondage of food? Um, yes, for sure. I remember in high school in particular, noticing, I guess now looking back, noticing that my relationship with food was not at a healthy point. 
I remember going to Mo's, which if anyone knows me, they know I love Mexican food. <laughs> she does. True story. Okay, so. I remember going to Mo's with my family in high school for, I think it was like kids eat free Monday night or something like that, which I probably wasn't old enough to eat free anyway. But we went, but I would go to the shop next door. It was some like salad place and get a salad and bring it into the restaurant instead of eating Mexican food because in my eyes Mm -hmm. that was bad food and the salad was good food and Mm -hmm. I feel like it continued on for like with actions like that and then I remember in college um I know my roommates can remember this vividly I decided to try this juice cleanse which now looking back I'm like what was I thinking but it was like three days and basically all you you drank green tea and ate like next to nothing. And I felt miserable. But for some reason, I was like, this is what I need to do to, you know, quote unquote, detox and lose Mm -hmm. weight and X, Y, Z. And I just remember the pressure from high school and then even in college when there's so much hype around like the freshman 15 and do you gain weight when you go to college or do you lose weight? So I think another thing I realized in terms of my relationship with food and my body and how it wasn't in a healthy way is I also started to notice the way that people's comments would impact me too. Mm -hmm. So when I first Mm -hmm. went to college, I lost a lot of weight. I was in a really toxic relationship and so dealt with a lot of like anxiety, depression, which in turn caused me to lose weight unintentionally. Mm -hmm. But I remember going home for like homecoming and different events to see people back home and all people would say is, oh my gosh, Dylan, you've lost so much weight. You look so good. When in yes. turn, I didn't even need to lose weight. I was already at wow. a healthy yeah. weight, mm-hmm. but then hearing mm-hmm. people be like, oh, you look so good. Like, what have you been doing? Those mm-hmm. comments kind of make you think like, okay, well then maybe I need to stay at this weight that I'm at now. Even- or yeah, was there something wrong with me before Yeah, like right. that caused them to not compliment me then? <laughs> yes. Like, was I overweight before? Mm-hmm. Um, And so that continues to feed into when I did start to gain back weight because I was getting healthier in terms of just my mental health, getting out of that relationship and really getting back on track with my life in general. When I started to gain back the weight I had lost, then I still felt those voices of like, okay, now I'm X pounds heavier than I was, but are people still going to look at me the way they did? Are they going to be like, oh, now she's like gained weight. Like, I wonder what's going on with her. Right, right. I have noticed those kinds of conversations. And Dylan, you actually posted this on Thanksgiving and we need to reshare it. I know I reshared it to my story, but I I, I have just, I don't know if it was like our parents' generation or my mom and her friends. Um, and I'm saying all this like from a very unintentional place in other people's minds, but I'm noticing it now with my friends. I, I don't remember ever, ever, ever being surrounded by women who weren't always critiquing something about their body I mean whether it's their face or their hair or um the weight or oh gosh I gotta lose this weight before I go there or I'm not I need to get a spray tan like whatever it is it doesn't matter I just feel like I constantly found myself in situations like that and still do and it's almost like one person's insecurity needs to be spoken out loud so then other people like feel the need to speak into it too like oh I I gotta say what I'm I'm feeling too about myself and then it becomes like this toxic circle you know what I mean and you said 
Yeah, it's like a spiral. And you said on um, your Thanksgiving tips to like, and like to intentionally step away from conversations that might trigger you. And I'm I've been noticing that about myself. Like I'm I I would say I'm probably in the best emotional place with my body than I've been in a long time. But when I'm surrounded by people who are constantly thinking about it, it's like I have to be thinking. Well, what's wrong with me? I need to be thinking about what I have to get better at. And I think that's kind of what's the root of all of this is like we all just feel this need to like self-deprecate ourselves almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people feel like if you speak highly of yourself in a way that's humble yet confident, it's almost frowned upon. Well, like who are you to think that you look great or that you have the authority or permission to be confident when we're struggling. So then you almost feel like to empathize, you must degrade yourself, which is so untrue. Mm -hmm. And really like you can set that culture for your environment, for your community of saying, no, stop talking about yourself like that. Words have power. You are so beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think having the Mm -hmm. relationship of affirmation set before you gives you the grounds to then affirm them without it coming across as disgenuine. Yeah. And I feel like it can easily, like you were saying, Scotty, be like a bonding point for especially women to just sit around and shame our bodies. Like that's just a way that we hang out like, oh, look at my arms, look at my legs. But I feel like reframing our mindset to celebrating our bodies instead of shaming Mm -hmm. them could bring so much joy in life. Yeah. I saw someone, I don't even know who it is now, um, like after they had given birth and they were still carrying some baby weight and um, the girl said something along the lines of, in the past I would have looked at this and really felt shame, but now that I've given birth to my daughter, I am amazed at my body and how God created it to do what it needs to do. And if that fat was there to protect her, then, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. And I literally like started crying because I was like, we are so mean to ourselves and we are God's creation. And I like Daniel one time even was like, you can't talk about my wife like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst, but we just do it to ourselves. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like it's because it's It's almost, like I said, the culture and it being easier to shame than to uplift, whether it's others or ourselves. Like I find myself more times than not thinking something poorly of someone than something amazing of someone and uplifting just because Mm -hmm. of my sinful nature. So how much easier and more comfortable is it to do that to ourselves? So it's like the mind switch of, no, I'm a beloved and I'm actually not even my own. Like, like, yes, we are our husbands, but even before that, like, we're the Lord. So I feel like if we self-deprecate mm-hmm. ourselves, we're almost telling the artist, like, I don't like this creation. I think you're selling it for too much. Mm. I think it's cheap. I think that it shouldn't be hanging on a wall. Mm. The artist is going to look at you like, excuse me, <laughs> leave my gallery, yeah. you know, and, and really yeah. like that's what we're doing to ourselves and to the Lord. And it, Satan wants nothing more than for us to sit around and find all these things wrong with our body that is so mm. intricately made by our creator um and it's so easy to just like give him a footstool at that when you obviously this is a common struggle for probably the majority of your clients and so I know you mentioned earlier like really teaching people the value of intuitive eating um Mm -hmm. I want to hear what your like your just run-of-the-mill definition of that is and the power of like listening to your body rather than neglecting what it's telling you it needs intuitive eating it's made up of 10 principles about how you should eat, what your relationship with your body should look like. So some of those principles 
are honoring your hunger, rejecting the diet mentality, feeling your fullness. So it's all about eating from a non-diet approach. So not listening to what diet culture says about cut out carbs, eat less sugar, but more being fully in tune with your body. So that's the approach I practice from. But what I've learned and seen and almost all, I would say, of my clients so far is there's a step before intuitive eating that has to come into play before I can even dive into those principles with them. Because what I see with a lot of people when they're so roped into diet culture and bouncing from fad diet to fad diet, the biological effects of dieting, one of the things is it affects your hormones. It throws off your hunger and fullness cues. So most people that I see come to me and they're like, I don't even know what it feels like to feel full anymore or what it feels Mm. like to feel hungry because those are just completely out the window. So to immediately bring to them like, here's intuitive eating, let's learn how to feel your fullness and honor your hunger with them not even knowing what that means yet, we have to take the step before that um, of really getting their metabolism back on track of eating three meals a day and eating snacks between meals to help their body relearn that they're hungry and then that they're full. Um, Mm. because when your body, when you've been dieting so often, your body goes into basically starvation mode where it just clings on to whatever it can in hopes of having calories from something, whether that's fat, carbs, you name it, your body's going to hold on to it, which is going to slow down your metabolism and really Mm -hmm. end you, have you end with a poorer outcome than you started with. Basically most of the research or all of the research on dieting shows that you end up gaining at least like one third to two thirds of people end up regaining even more weight than they lost on a diet. So there's any research out there that promotes, yes, dieting is good for X, Y, Z. The research shows dieting is going to end you up gaining more weight than you had lost in the first place. But those are the reviews that diet culture doesn't want you to see because they probably sit back and thrive off of that, being able to say like, okay, we're going to have you on the keto diet, but we know a month from now, you're not going to want to do this anymore and you're going to gain weight and then mm-hmm. you're going to need another diet. Mm-hmm. But then another fad's going to pop mm-hmm. up and the cycle just continues, which is why intuitive wow. eating is such a great, um, more sustainable lifestyle to follow because it also gives you that balance and that mind-body-soul relationship where you're not just eating for this goal of appearance. You're eating to be able to feel how you, how your body feels during that experience and to have your mind present in that as well. And just as a way of like celebrating and serving your body, we need, we're made to Mm -hmm. eat, we need food. So it shouldn't be something that we punish ourselves by having a salad if our body's really craving a chicken sandwich or something. Yeah. Right. And like, like we learned even a few episodes ago with Zane and not like this is a diet per se, but she explained the reality that like our body has different needs for literally everything that God created. So to deny what it needs, even if it's a certain time of the month or certain season you're in, whatever, it's telling you what it wants for a reason because there's a lack of a nutrient or a need there. And so even going into the starvation mode thing, your body is was 
is smart enough to do starvation mode (laughs) because it it knows it's not getting what it needs. And so it's trying to protect itself. So it just shows that your body is smarter than we're giving it credit for. Um, And the whole diet culture money-making machine of like what you're saying, like, oh, we know they're not going to last on that one. So they're going to have to come over here for this one. Um, That's so true. So I'm glad that you pointed all of that out and kind of gave all of us a basis for really learning to listen to our body for sure. So I think what a lot of people may not know is that the diet industry, aka the weight loss industry, is a $66 billion industry. That's their net worth. So they- That's almost disgusting. Yes. It's insane. I mean, billion, like that's a lot of money that they're making off of people not being satisfied with their body and trying to find contentment from something like a diet or a pill or a supplement that's not going to give them the ultimate- fulfillment they're looking for. And if you look at the way diet culture, like if you look at the way they do their marketing, even looking at like Halo Top ice cream, why do you think it is called Halo Top? Halo is like the symbol of an angel. So it's making you think, okay, if I eat Halo Top, then this is good. This is healthy. This is like a safe food. But if I eat, say, like Brian and Jerry's, my boo. And and Jerry's, (laughs) it doesn't give you that like like top will save you or how foods are now labeled like guilt-free or desserts are like indulgent. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the other day on one of my LaCroix cans that they were saying something about how it's like no sugar, no calories. And then it was like that plus that equals innocent. So even marketing mm. like that, where people are telling you, if you have this, you're innocent, but if you have this, you're guilty. So then it oh, further... Wow digs them even deeper in this hatred of their bodies because then they start to give food and diet and all of that, the morality that it doesn't need and is not meant to have. Food should never be good or bad or, okay, I'm having a cheat day today. Those sort of words don't yeah. need to be used when it comes to the foods we put in our body. Oh. I've really started to try not using the cheat word because I found myself saying, oh, it's my cheat meal as if like I need to feel like that. Like we, it's just like we don't even realize we're doing it. It just is what it is. Ugh. You posted something the other day or maybe it was a repost, but it was of a Justin's peanut butter cup and a Reese's peanut yep. butter cup. And it was like, if you want the Reese's, eat the Reese's. If you want the Justin's, eat the Justin's. But don't eat the Justin's because you feel like you can't have the Reese's because at the end of the day, like – it's really very similar. Yes. And it's still a treat. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. And there's so much research that shows if you say you're on quote unquote a diet where you're not having Reese's or some sort of like added sugar, but you have this craving like, oh my gosh, I really want this Reese's. I love Reese's. I just want like one or two of them you go on the spiral of like, okay, well, I can't have a Reese's. So maybe I'll have like a rice cake and peanut butter. And then maybe I'll have some cereal. And you go down this rabbit hole Mm. trying to fill (laughs) this craving you have. Then at the end of the day, you eat even more than you would have if you would have just allowed Mm. your body the one or two Reese's that it was craving and then ate that and went on with your day. 
Literally, yes. I One time, this is so bad, but I told you I was a yo-yo dieter. One time, I was like restricting meals. Maybe I was intermittent fasting or something. And (laughs) all of a sudden, I ended up in the pantry and I literally poured down my throat half a box of Daniel's cereal. (laughs) Half a box. Which is... Like, that's a whole other eating disorder in and of itself. What, what do we want to call that? Binging, uh, going all, uh, going from one to the next. I don't know what you want to call it. But, like, that's exactly it. Because you're – you honestly, if you're eating regular meals, then you're not going to be hungry enough to make these horrible decisions. But, again, yeah. I just use the word horrible. So, here I am. I have to be better about <laughs> labeling my food. But not as wise of a decision. Yeah, it's almost this idea that if you can't do it right or do it perfect, screw it, which isn't true at all. Right. Like if you can't, you know, like if I can't eat organic all the time, then just screw it or whatever, which in reality, like doing what your body is craving, whether that's like, like today I was so craving that quiche, like had some quiche and has like great ingredients in it. It's going to keep me full. And then later on tonight, like I'm going to have a glass of wine and a piece of cake because my friends and I are going out to, to dinner and I'm like looking forward to it. Not in like a an unhealthy indulgence way but like I'm like no like I'm not gonna go on a run today to make up for tonight or I'm not going to feel like I have to balance it out or equal anything out because it's not don't you feel like it's not an equation to have to equal out it's just you just do what makes you feel well whether it's feel well with your friends because you're having a great time in community or if it's you feel well because you're energized because you did do that yoga but don't do the yoga because you're planning on the cake Yes, absolutely. And that all goes back to intuitive eating and then also just like living mindfully of just being fully present and listening to what your body tells you. Because of course, like I do love exercising, but there are days where my body's like, nope, you are not doing any exercise today. I am not feeling it. And being able to honor that and then in the other days be able to use movement and exercise as a way to celebrate the way that your body is able to move. And same with eating. Yeah. You do an awesome job of that, Dylan. I think if I could choose anyone to follow their eating habits, it would be you because you love the cool, like hip, trendy, healthy foods as well as the queso from Moe's, which I love. (laughs) Um, So what advice, like what do you have for someone who is like going into December? We already went through Thanksgiving and we're going into December and we're going to be going to parties and um, family gatherings and Christmas mornings and candy and treats and all of that. Like what would you say is like a good quote unquote game plan for trying to live intuitively while still celebrating the season and all of the joy? Yeah, that's a great question. So first, speaking to anyone who may be listening that has struggled from an eating disorder or may currently be struggling with disordered eating slash an eating disorder, I think it's really important to know that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay if you need to go see a dietitian or see a therapist or go back to a dietitian or therapist you've seen before. I think sometimes that can be seen. I know y'all have talked a lot on here about therapy and how it's so great and it doesn't need to be something that's swept under the rug. And I think this Mm -hmm. time of the year, can be very triggering for people who have family issues, who have relationships with their food that aren't optimal, um, because then you're surrounded by people who may have triggered those in the first place, may ask questions about weight, et cetera. So being able to step up and ask for help can really help. I think also just with all that goes on with the holidays, 
I've been telling my clients, make sure to go in with a plan. So whether it's a holiday event or family gathering, going in with a plan and knowing, okay, there are going to be some people here who make comments about my body that I don't appreciate, knowing that you can step away from those conversations and you don't have to be a part of them. Um, A really practical tip as far as preventing you from maybe overeating past the point of fullness and really to make sure you're eating mindfully is to make sure when you're like having conversations, whether it's at a party or at a family event, try not to stand by like the snack table or the food food table Mm -hmm. because that's when you're going to find yourself just like mindlessly um, eating appetizer after appetizer and not really paying attention to that hunger and fullness cue. Mm-hmm. That's me. I nervous eat. Yeah. <laughs> like at a party, I'll be next to the popcorn bowl, just like fistfuls of popcorn to avoid conversation. Yes. It's so <laughs> easy to do, especially because that's a big thing I talk about in my practice is mindful eating. Like where do you eat your meals? Where are you when you're snacking? Because if you're in a distracted environment, say watching TV, driving your car, you're not going to be able to fully hear your body when it tells you, okay, I'm full. I don't need anything else. And also if you're right. using food to mask other feelings, anxiousness, depression, anger, whatever it may be, you're probably not going to feel it either because maybe you're already full. So you're already mm-hmm. ignoring it. So yeah, I think, right. um, and then also a big thing that I talked about on Thanksgiving that goes with any holiday a lot of times people think, okay, I'm going to eat a really big meal at Thanksgiving, so I'm not going to eat breakfast, I'm not going to eat lunch, and then I'll just like have everything for the day at lunch. The equation thing again. Yes, and that is not a healthy way to go into any holiday um, or event work party because then you're going to go in at an increased hunger level where you're just going to overeat and overeat and eat way past that feeling of fullness. Whereas if you have a normal breakfast, even have a snack, depending on what time you may be eating your like Christmas dinner, and then making sure if you're hungry that night to still have some sort of meal. Obviously it may be a smaller meal since your lunch or midday meal was much bigger than usual, but still making sure that you're honoring your body on those days that may be different than your normal day-to-day life totally when I learned the blood blood sugar level thing and understanding like what happens when my body processes food it made so much sense as to why you need to eat like it just does because you're you just go through these horrible crashes and highs and it makes so much sense I think that's a really important piece of advice yeah and let's talk about that so the way your body processes food what Mary Scott was just saying about blood sugar is if you're eating a meal or a snack that's just carbs, so say you're eating a piece of toast or you're snacking on chips, your body is going to process that and your blood sugar is going to spike and then it's going to drop. So you're going to be hungry hour and a half, two hours later because you didn't give your body all the nutrients it needs to sustain that Mm -hmm. food until two, three hours when you may need a snack or another meal. So the way to build a meal that's going to keep you full and leave you satisfied is to make sure you're not only getting carbs, but you're also getting a good amount of protein. You're getting fiber in the form of like whole grains or produce like fruits and vegetables. And then you're also getting some good healthy fat. 
because then those protein fat fiber will help prevent that carbs, those carbs from spiking and then allow your blood sugar to remain at a more normalized level. So you don't feel that intense sugar high and then intense crash um, helps your body stay more regulated. So when I learned about blood sugar, I um, I had just finished reading the book Body Love by Kelly Levesque, which I talk about all the time. But we it was – we I was able to understand the whole protein, fat, fiber, um, carb thing from a, like another perspective and it elongated my blood sugar curve. I was able to stay full for like four to six hours and um, – or really like three to three to four to five hours. But um, it really – I noticed that it freed me up during the day. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I didn't have to spend as much time in the kitchen. I was making my time that I ate really impactful. Like I was just more intentional about it. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. just – and it became less of an issue. Like I just felt like I was constantly in the kitchen. And I love also – that you talked about the standing up thing because of course in all of my years in counseling that I've talked about before I at one point did talk about the body stuff and my counselor was like I'm really going to encourage you to eat what you want and listen to your body but I need you to put it on a plate and I need you to sit yeah. down when you eat because I just naturally I did it last night too like <laughs> Daniel like long story short needed to take my car I didn't have a car we didn't have any groceries after Thanksgiving from being out of town and I had had two green smoothies like for breakfast and lunch because it's all the ingredients we had at home um and we were coming home from the store and I got home and there was a, a bag of chips that I opened a bag of pepperoni and it, like all these random like things that in and of themselves weren't bad but I ate like what felt like a baby meal before my big meal and I was so hungry that I wasn't listening and then I went to bed feeling like oh gosh why did I do that um and it just it's amazing what happens when you stand up and of course I'm one that loves to cook so like the whole standing up and eating and like tasting as you go thing is a big issue for me um but the whole plate and sitting down thing and being mindful was a huge part of what my counselor encouraged me to do so I think that's definitely an awesome point to bring up yeah um and just to like friend plug Dylan over here she has a really cool meal prep guide (laughs) you want to tell them about it Dylan (laughs) brag on yourself it's pretty neat it's really great if you don't know where to start I have a meal prep guide on my website that helps to make I call it meal mapping so it helps to make meal prepping more achievable and less intimidating or what you may see on Pinterest of picture perfect meals Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I also walk you through just what your meals should look like so you know how to build a meal that's gonna like Mary Scott was saying keep you full until that next meal or until you would need a snack and with that I also have a meal map template that you'll get that will help you structure out your week as far as what you're going to have for breakfast, lunch, dinner, what you need to get at the grocery store, just to help you take that control of your eating and your food habits, because we all live such busy lives. So if we can be one step ahead in the planning process, it can make those nights where you're coming back from being out of town, but maybe you planned ahead and had a meal in the Mm -hmm. freezer or had a meal already that you were going to pop in your instant pot or something like that already planned ahead. So then you come home from being out of town for Thanksgiving and you're not stuck just scrounging on random things. Yeah. That's such a, but I get that. It's hard. I mean, I was the same way coming back from Thanksgiving. We had like 
no groceries left. So <laughs> us either. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't even know if I want to eat something that's in my fridge right now. Slash, is it even? I don't like it. <laughs> um, okay, so with the holidays coming up, we've talked about kind of preparing your heart and preparing your mind and your body for, you know, eating and what's going to be on the table or on the spreader buffet. But I would love to touch on resolutions. I mean, New Year's resolutions are a thing and everyone makes such a big deal out of them. And I think it's a great opportunity to reset your mind, but I think that they become unhealthy really quickly. So what are some ways we can practically turn our perspective from it being like New Year's resolution, lose 20 pounds to fill in the blank or New Year's resolution, become vegan and then like fill in the blank. Like, you know what I mean? How can we turn our perspectives to a healthier direction? For sure. I think I have a love-hate relationship with New Year's resolutions because like you said, they can be so great just to give us a fresh start, restart the year, um, try some new habits, but they've often turned into, again, because of diet culture, turned into a time to shame ourselves and figure out, okay, in 2019, I'm going to lose X pounds or I'm going to work out this much a week or meal plan different things where, again, it's rooted in shame and guilt. So it's hard to, if you're making a goal that you want to accomplish, it's hard if it's going to be rooted in shame and guilt to actually want to achieve it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you can root your resolutions in something that's like celebrating your body instead of just punishing and shaming it, it'll make it so much more achievable. So The way I like to look at it is kind of reframing your resolution. So instead of saying like, I want to lose X amount of pounds a week, you could say something like, I want to try and eat family dinners at the table three times a week or during the work week. Because then in turn, eating family dinners is going to help you eat more mindfully, be more aware of your hunger and fullness cues, which losing X pounds may be a secondary result of that but that's not your ultimate Mm -hmm. goal. And then from eating family dinners at the table, you're also getting more family time. So it's kind of like a self-care thing for you as well. Yeah. And you know what I noticed from this? It's not that we should set resolutions that should be our outcome, right? Our resolution should just be practices. So like instead of I want to lose 20 pounds, that being the outcome at the end of the year, it being a, yeah, I want to practice doing this more intentionally or, you know, like you were saying, sit down at a dinner table. I think it's a cool way to, I guess, measure it and figure out if your New Year's resolution is fair and healthy to yourself is saying, is this an outcome or is this a practice? Because practices, I mean, you can pick up, pick up and set down outcomes, you either succeed yeah. or fail. So it's mm-hmm. a lot harder mm-hmm. to like love yourself through failure than, oh no, like, you know, we didn't get our enough family time tonight. Like, let's make it up over the weekend. Like, I want to spend yeah. time with y'all. You know, doing something else like going to a field and throwing a football, or mm-hmm. you know, it, it becomes more, I guess, not vague, but it becomes a bigger spectrum that you can hit success on rather than I want to lose twenty pounds and you lose yeah. eighteen, and like still not the twenty, yeah. so you failed. Right. You know, it just right. it's easier to for lose sure. And I think with I think the way some people look at resolutions they want to do something extreme change in their life, like become vegan or lose all this weight or work out when maybe they don't even like working out. So it's hard to go from zero to a hundred with something with any habit. So I think if, like you said, Rachel, I love that making it more of like a practice, like 
maybe you don't work out, but you want to start implementing some sort of movement into your life. Maybe it's going on a walk with your husband or your roommates a few times Mm -hmm. a week or dancing while you do the dishes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or maybe you have a really busy work week and weekend and you have a three kids and it's hard to find time for yourself than doing something like taking a bath and setting aside like Sunday nights to be your night to at least have an hour to yourself. I think a lot of times people don't realize that self-care, mental health, those sort of actions have a lot of rollover into diet and food and all of that. Because if you're not at a place mentally or not giving yourself the care you deserve, in other ways than just food, then food is going to also take a toll. I was also going to say, going into that, Dylan, though, um, just talking about stress, like I know that sometimes we like to get too sciencey, and I love and geek out over this stuff, but, you know, stress, which increases your cortisol levels within your body, is actually something that stores fat. So if you're doing something like self-care and exercise because you like it, um, you're more you're more likely to be in a balanced state in your body because overall your body's going to feel at peace. Um, and so that's it just kind of shows the benefit of taking care of yourself. And then you also mentioned that I thought was an important thing to touch on. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we look at eating healthy and exercise with such a negative thing like I have to hate it or it's not the right way of doing it but I do think there is a way to eat healthy and love it or exercise and love it and we don't have to fit ourselves in a mold like Rachel loves going to true 40 and I actually am like the a few you know the rare person in the world who sometimes likes going on outdoor runs but she likes to work out her body differently than I do but I don't need to compare mine to hers just because she does that. And so we can find something that we each individually like and eat healthy in a way that makes us happy. It doesn't have to be this negative For thing. sure. And I think one question I would encourage people to ask themselves when they are looking to set New Year's resolutions is, are your resolutions rooted in punishing or shaming your body? So those resolutions like we talked about of losing this certain amount of weight or working out this much or changing your diet, or is it rooted in celebrating your body and really finding peace Mm -hmm, where your body is and getting to a more mindful self-care focused point instead of all these like strict negative things that diet culture wants to put out there around the new year about the newest diet and how to lose 10 pounds in five days. I love that. That is an amazing way to frame how we do that. And I'm going to remember that myself when I'm doing it. Yeah, I think it's another important thing to say, like, you know, as believers, we believe that we've been given one body to steward. And so treating ourselves this way and eating healthily and eating what we want all in one, like the both and is glorifying to God. Mm -hmm. And so like, if that's the, if that's the root, like I'm going to go on a run today because I have got to be the best self for my husband and for me, it's also glorifying to God. And so I think I'm going back to the rootedness thing. Like it has to be rooted in something bigger than just me losing weight or me looking better. Um, or I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Um, there's a verse I love that goes along with what you're just saying. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And I think what you were just saying points exactly to that of like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to eat healthy or wanting to move and exercise. But if my 
eating lifestyle is rooted in dissatisfaction with my self-glorification. Yeah, yeah, that's not glorifying God because basically I'm telling God, you didn't do good enough, mm-hmm. so I'm going to control it with what I put in my body and what I don't put in it. Or if I'm mm-hmm. running mm-hmm. because I feel like I need to punish myself for what I ate and not trusting the body God is so intricately designed to be able to process the food mm-hmm. and break it down as need be and store what it needs to store and let go of what it doesn't need. I'm not glorifying God because I'm not ultimately trusting him to do what he has designed to do. Yeah. Uh, it's such a teeter tottery topic, you know, cause I mean, yeah. you could fight the battle between discipline and treating yourself or punishment and celebration or whatever. So I just think that I think for listeners listening, I think, Dylan, you explain it really well. If you're listening and you're like, okay, what are some small changes I could do today to get me at a better point with my body? Because one thing I would encourage anyone who's listening to remember is that you can't just start a habit and excel at it the next day. Just like when you say you're learning to drive a stick shift car, you're not just going to be able to drive out on the highway the next day, it's going to take time and practice and you're going to stall out and you're going to mess up. So I think remembering that when it comes to the way that you eat and the way that you move, knowing that you could listen to podcast after podcast and read books and studies, but it takes time for habits to form. So also not getting down on yourself when maybe you have setbacks or when you get let food have too much control over you. So I think small ways to really start to create change and start to build habits. A big thing I always tell people because social media is so prevalent nowadays is unfollow any account that's going to make you think negatively about yourself. Mm. Whether it's someone who posts a lot of pictures in bikinis or working out and you find yourself comparing your body to their body or someone who talks about food in a negative way, whatever it may be for you, having the power and courage to unfollow those accounts can be a very practical, small step to really start to make change. Because I think one thing I've realized, even with social media, I've tried to do a better job at that of like, when I'm looking at certain accounts, and I'm like, oh, like that post makes me so mad. I'm like, I have to check myself and be like, I have the power to unfollow this person. I don't <laughs> yes. have to keep following them. So I think knowing that you can do that and that Mm -hmm. can make Mm -hmm. such a change just in your mental health and then also in the way that you make food choices and exercise choices. Ah. Yep. We steer where we stare. Amen. Yes. I just think that this just brings so much freedom to the topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And like we said earlier, if we talk about it, normally it's in a negative way because it's just what's humorous and easier to do. So I think this is just a switch in culture that needs to happen. And I think Dylan, you are going to be responsible for leading part of that movement. So we're honored to be able to chat all about this with you. So Dylan, completely switching gears. We say this every time because I feel like honestly, we have to pull people away from conversation because it could go on for four hours. (laughs) I just love talking about this, but we want to know what you're loving, what you're reading what you want to share with people that you think might make their life more fun. Yes. Um, So one thing I'm loving, they're these shoes that I've been, so it's completely changing topics, but these shoes, they are um, 
Dr. Scholl's is the brand, Stop LOL. And, wow, love that. <laughs> yes. And they're like those, I don't know what people call it. They're little like slide on shoes with like the white. Oh, oh, oh. You know what I'm talking about? So Dr. Scholl's has a pair and they are literally the most comfortable shoe. I'll have to send y'all a link so you can. Yeah, we will put it in the show notes. I want to see them because what they are I have though, for real. Two pairs of them now. Um, JB, my husband's mom, gave me another pair because I talked about them so much. So she was like, here's a pair of them in black so now you can wear the – Thanks, Amy. Yes, right. <laughs> um, so those are like my – like I wear them pretty much every day, which I need like five pairs of them. But, yes, loving those. Um, let's see if there's something else. So I've been trying to read more. I've never been much of a reader. And when – we went on our honeymoon. So I got married back in May. And when we went on our honeymoon, I read two books in one week. And I was like, I need to start doing this more. Like I like reading. I'm just bad at like sitting down and actually doing it. Cause I'm such a like mover. I don't like to just like sit still. And so I've been trying to read more. So right now I'm in the middle of this book called shoot I'm gonna forget the name all the light we cannot see I think is the name of it oh I've heard great things about that Dylan is it good it's so good and I don't think I real like me being someone who's not really a reader trying to become a reader picking up a book that's like 500 pages might be like a little ambitious but I'm halfway through which is good for me so but yes I would highly recommend it it's all about like World War II the Holocaust Mm -hmm. I think I love those. Have you read The Nightingale? No, but I have that. So I have Audible. Oh my gosh. I know. I need to. I have it on Audible. So I need to actually. Yes, do it on Audible. I recommend it on Audible. Yes, there's so many fun characters. It is so good. I might have to start it over again today. It is phenomenal. I think I downloaded it because you were posting all about it. And I was like, I need to download it. I probably posted it about 12 times. Y'all, the movie comes out in January. I will cry. Um, I will cry. I cannot no wait. Way. The movie comes out then. Yes. Um, Can I tell y'all a fun shoe story? This is yeah, so random. Yeah, please. Going back to favorite shoes. Okay, so you know those free people shoes that kind of like are zigzag? Like they, they're leather and they're pointy toe and they're flat? Yep, yep. Yes. Target has them right now, right? Oh, listen, Target has them right now, except they're sold out of like every size, every color now. Oh. And I found the last size and the color I wanted of my size. And in, in all of America, it ended up at the Target right next to my in-law's house. So I texted my wow. mother-in-law and I was like, can you please be a hero and pick these up for me? Like, I'll pay you back. Of course, like she gifted them to me. Love that woman. And she gave them to me, right? Amazing. <laughs> like compared to like $120 or $140, they're like 20 or something. Yeah. Okay, so we're trying this new thing with Remy. We're like, when we leave the house for like 20 minutes tops, we'll leave him outside oh, no. of his kennel. Uh-huh. He's never been a chewer, but he chewed the last oh, eight in tan no. suede in America. No, and I was like, no. out of all of the shoes that we have in our bedroom, it had to be one. this one. Y'all, I was They probably look so like a really good shoe toy. Oh my God gosh he just, I'm he so like sorry. took off the whole heel I was like you've got to be kidding anyways and then my mother-in-law of course texted me like an hour after it happened before I cooled down she's like I hope you're loving your shoes and I was oh like lol I <laughs> wait can't you get heels replaced isn't that a thing no well it, it was more than the heel Depending he took off a lot oh. more but definitely destroyed oh no oh I'm so sorry so you're talking about your favorite shoe and I'm like when well, I need to get these well dylan and jb have been doing this thing with dogs lately dylan you need to share 
another thing that I'm loving is my husband and I have, we're on this app <laughs> called Rover. So if yes. anyone in Nashville is listening and is needs a dog sitter, just find me on there. But it's this app where people will find you and have you come dog sit their dog either in their house or they'll bring their dog to you. So right now where my husband and I live, we're in a house where we can't have a dog, but we're both huge dog people, probably more so me than him, but both love dogs. And so we right now get paid to take care of people's dogs and get paid to stay in these like amazing fancy houses Nashville. <laughs> that's so crazy. Probably, honestly probably be the number one thing i'm loving right now is the people who invented rover are from nashville too um but yes loving rover because helps with the income as i'm building a business but also i just get to play with all the dogs oh i love that. i was gonna make you talk about it if you didn't bring yes. it up so i'm glad our minds were on the same page oh it's the best it's <laughs> helped jb and i know we're pretty set on like we know we want a yellow lab, but it's helped just widen our horizons of dogs. Like we've dog sat, we dog sat for a French bulldog a few weeks ago. And while I would never have one, they are the most hilarious dogs ever. <laughs> so it's <laughs> until they eat your shoe. Uh, yes. If that happened, actually that has happened, not with shoes, but with just like random shorts and stuff, which are more replaceable <laughs> than the last shoe. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, oh well, Dylan, we are so thankful that you just joined us to have a girlfriend chat today about all the things going into the holidays, especially in related to our bodies and body love and all the things. Um, where can people find you? Like what if someone's on the other side of the earbuds and realize they need a dietitian? You actually do remote dietitian work, don't you? Yes, I do. So if you live in Nashville, I have a private practice located in the Nashville area, but I also offer counseling via Skype, FaceTime, just over the phone. So you can find me at dylanmurphynutrition.com and pay attention to the website. It was designed by Rachel. Stop it. And <laughs> on Instagram, I am dyl underscore murph. So y'all can just link that because that's kind of confusing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else is Dylan Murphy on Instagram, unfortunately. So yeah, but y'all can reach out to me through my website if you're listening and you want more help in bettering your relationship with food, your body, even just learning more about the foods that your body needs. I would love to work with you. And like they said, I do work with people all over, not just in Nashville. Woohoo. Well, we love you on a a podcast level, but also in a person level. And we're so thankful that you're our friend and that you came and shed some really, really, I feel like important, important um, information for all women, actually all people, let's be honest, men can struggle with body image too. Um, So thank you. I know Rachel and I, we're just so grateful to have you on the show today. So grateful. We love you. And thanks for all that y'all are doing through this show too. I think it's oh, too sweet. Well, we know that you have been such a sweet encouragement through this whole journey. So we knew we had to have you on. Oh. So thank you so much. We love you. Yes, I love y'all. I don't know about you, but before I walked into today's episode, I was super confused about what quote unquote healthy even means anymore. With all the diets going around, the if, ands, and buts, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. It just was so overwhelming for me. 
So to have someone that I love and trust bring truth to the topic, truth with a capital T, was priceless for me. And I hope it was the same for you. If you have more questions about this or you want to speak with Dylan directly, or you want to opt into some of her services, go ahead and check out our show notes behind the Dylan's contact information is there and you can go ahead and set up a consultation where she'll speak with you directly about your lifestyle and what it looks like to twist your perspective to loving your body and loving food. If you're here for the fun and you want to access some of the things that we talked about today, you also can head over to our show notes and we linked everything. Yes, even the Dr. Scholl's shoes. No worries. If you're loving today's podcast and loving the podcast in general, we would love it if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a quick review. Reviews are so very important, not only because we love to read what you guys have to say and we feel so encouraged, but more importantly, it helps us reach other people that might never have heard of the podcast before. With more reviews, iTunes ranks us higher, and with us ranking higher, more people will find out what's truly behind people's blisses, which is the purpose behind Behind the Bliss. If you'd like to take a step further in supporting us here behind the bliss, you can also click give on our website and become a patron, which is basically a co-contributor of the podcast. You keep us up and running and we couldn't do this without you. We are so grateful for our patrons. And by the way, patrons do get some super fun perks. You get early access to shows, exclusive content and giveaways, playlists that Mary Scott and I are loving, and so much more. We have a few fun things around the corner that we're releasing to our patrons first and you don't want to miss out. So to become a patron, again, just visit BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and click give. We are so grateful for you and for listening. And again, we hope that you found so much truth and encouragement from this episode. We'll see you next time.